You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Simplecast, and all the great platforms out there. Our guest is nothing short of a special guest, as always on the show. Everybody's a special guest on here. Uh, Today, we've got singer-songwriter, producer, or excuse me, podcaster, radio and TV personality, and music producer. Our guest is also the founder, chairman, CEO of the James O'Connor Agency based in Nashville, Tennessee, which has a specialty for writing and producing branded songs for nonprofits, corporations, authors, and keynote speakers. He has written, produced, and performed on many of his own soul albums through the years, including 175 Cherry Lane and his two latest, Geography of the Soul and Gratitude. Great record, by the way. Highly recommend it. Which were recorded on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee with A-list musicians and producer Kim Copeland. He has hosted over 300 podcasts with artists, authors, speakers, and uh, thought leaders from around the world through his show, Dharmic Evolution. Please welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Kevin O'Connor. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate being here, man. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Uh, and and I'll, I'll say this before we get into it. Thank you so much for allowing me the space on your podcast, Dharmic Evolution, which was by far one of the greatest, if not the greatest, interviewing experiences I've had on the other side of the uh, table. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, it was uh, it was a pleasure. Likewise, right back at you, man. We had a great time. So I'm sure this will be fun also. So let, let's get into it because you've got quite a plethora of topics and and uh, coverage. And I'd love to start with your beginning stages in the creative and artistic world, wherever you'd like to start. How did you get into music and the arts? Um, I guess it was, um, it was really, you know, as a child growing up, um, I was a really late starter, um, but I used to listen to radio all the time as a kid and was fascinated with rock, with pop rock, with, um, anything that made you move, you know? Yeah. Um, remember as a kid listening to, of course, the Rascals, the Beatles and, you know, anything that I could get my, my ear next to, um, because we really had, um, no money growing up. We were nine people living in a three-bedroom house with one bathroom. Oh, my God. So I'm one of seven. So it was a very humble beginnings. Wow. Uh, and the funny thing was, I think, you know, in retrospect, thinking back in days, I had this friend uh, down the street from me, and his father was a musician, and he played the organ. And in the 60s, you know, when we were kids, um, that was like a cool instrument. You know, the Turtles and all these bands were coming out in the late 60s. This is right before the Beatle Revolution. So I was like, I was really young. I was like seven, eight, nine, right in that range. And I was always so fascinated. I'd go over to his house and him and his brother always had the latest records. 45s. This is, this is how long ago this was. And they're playing these great songs. And I would just go over there and just absorb and satiate on this music. This was just, just such a cool thing. Your father's a musician. He was a professional musician. Right. And he gave lessons on his, you know, organ and everything. And we never had that. So I finally, you know, we didn't have anything in the house, I think. 
And uh, maybe we had a plastic record player. So I remember going and buying my first album. The Monkees' first <laughs> album came out. And I got it home, and my mother found out that I spent almost $5 on it and made me take it back and get a refund. Oh, man. So I had to fight and scrap my way to figure out, you know, where am I going to get this? So I got, you know, I got it from everywhere. But I say I'm a late bloomer because I didn't really start playing um, seriously, like get the bug till I was 21, uh, 22. And then I just, you know, got ferocious on playing like eight, eight, nine hours a day, including working. Um, I had all kinds of jobs, gas station mechanic, body, body shop, um, just garage door operators, plumbing, electric. I've done everything, um, under the sun. And, um, I guess what happened was once I got bit by the bug, I started like, I just got, you know, it just knocked me over and I couldn't play enough. So that's what started it for me. What a, wow. What a great, I had no idea. What a great story. That's, that's amazing. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about creative process because you're a fellow creative and, and multifaceted in it. How did that come about? Because it's one thing to start playing and then it's another thing to really start creating. Was it kind of uh, at the same time did those accumulate those skills or was it more uh, later on you started really writing? Uh, I think, you know, when I started playing, seriously, I started writing immediately. It just came as such a natural process to me. Um, I didn't have to think too much about it. I would just go in and do it. And around the time I was like really going at this thing crazy, you know, playing electric and, um, you know, I had a 12 string and and an acoustic, but I spent most of my time on electric and, you know, got sort of the hot hand from playing a lot. And um, I remember having um, reel-to-reel tape recorders, like a couple of them. And I, I would daisy chain them together, just like, you know, John Lennon did in, in the days, because you didn't, you didn't have any multi-track yet. That was right. like, coming soon. Right. But it was still a labor of love. <laughs> like six or seven generations of this hissing tape, you know, but you were yeah. getting the overdubs. You were like, um, so, so I started, I didn't even know that I was, I was learning arranging. I didn't even know that's what it was called. And I started studying with two jazz rock uh, guitarists, both in the same band. And they they were called Tangent. And they were like the hot hand, man. They were just amazing musicians. And I'd go over to their basement and listen to them just jam. And they were like in another world for me. But I wanted to learn uh, as much and as fast as I could. So I just developed, uh, I started writing and started doing demos. And then I, there's a studio, studio in my town or two towns away, I guess. And I was in there doing wiring for the guy who owned the studio. And I was like, oh my God, my eyes popped out of my head. I said, look at this. He's got an eight track, multi-track. And this is before the, even the Studers came along, which were seven years, you know, a couple of years later. Oh yeah. Tracks, you know, and, yeah. and he still has all that vintage gear today and is still uh, recording. And it was all progressive rock and the stuff that was coming through his door, I was just mesmerized. So I, I grabbed a couple of guys and said, hey, I want to do a few songs and went in and started doing my first demos, you know, and it just grew from there, um, a process of just keep working it, working it, playing live in clubs and and going back in and repeat. And I didn't really care so much about 
Um, I think I cared more about the process than the rock star thing. Of course, I, was right. young. I had some of that going on, but I really was more um, just fascinated with it's a, it's a work. It is fascinating. I was going to say enamored or just I mean, starstruck by it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not done. Like, I still have the same feelings today about when I, you know, finish a song. I still feel the same way. It's like the so first song I ever wrote. Yeah. And uh, and my processes have changed dramatically. Um, and I'll touch on that in a second. But I, sure. I think the process of writing and then recording and feeling and seeing the finished product and how it sometimes has an effect on people there's nothing quite under God's uh, heaven and earth that that really um, e equates to that. You know, I mean, I'm sure ball players feel that way about what they do and scoring a goal, hitting a home run out of the park or whatever. But that's you know my home run. You know, that's right. the metaphor for or that's right. the great feeling. You know? Yeah, it, it, there really is nothing like it. Um, yeah, and I, you know what? You know, when I have people on my podcast too. Um, just to, to reach back to, uh, you know, my younger days, I have such a feeling of appreciation when they tell me my parents supported me so much. And my parents were great, but they didn't know how to. You know what I mean? It was like they were struggling and it was like they were putting food on the table for nine people every day. And, and they, right. you know, my mother was like superwoman. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> yeah. But it was so far from them. They weren't musical. They didn't understand it. But when I hear these young kids tell me that their parents, you know, are, you know, helping them with this, it just, it, it, it doesn't make me, um, you'd think it would make me like, you know, a little angry, like, why didn't I get, but, but it's not at all. It, it really is such a blessing to see that and to be um, supported at a young age. So I, I just want to, all you parents out there who are listening who have supported your kids, um, it's such a great gift and blessing to them. And, and it comes right back to you, of course, as, as your evidence of that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. We're, uh, we're, we're enjoying the, uh, the benefits of the returns as we speak, and we're, we're seeing things grow. So I, I really fantastic. do appreciate that. And, and this podcast, honestly, is one of those components, you know, you never, yeah. you never know. You never know. I think it's just, you know, they, they instilled uh, the work ethic and, and really the attitude and staying positive and, and, and just stick to itiveness. And uh, that's, that's really all you've got at the end of the day, that and faith and yeah. trying to combine those two together with a little bit of talent, but really, I mean, it's 90, 98, 99% of it is, is hard work. And yeah. hopefully focused in certain directions that will uh, spawn off in kind of an event diagram fashion, turn into uh, a nice little conglomerate of skill sets, and you know, make uh, hopefully providing value to the world. So that's the way yeah. at least I look at it. But yeah, it starts with the it, it does start with the the first seven years of life for sure, um, and that's that's what's so great about your story is it. It, it sounds like you may have not had exactly that support. Well, obviously, to a certain degree with the record story, uh, the monkey story, but you were able to prevail. And I have a tremendous amount of respect because my, my parents have always been, I mean, this has been kind of a family thing from the first 
few years. So to hear your story is really inspiring to me because um, I couldn't even imagine trying to do it on my own, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and for, you know, for what you touched on about uh, the perseverance, um, um, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, but sure. uh, the idea of staying with the course for all of you fellow podcasters are out there who, who get frustrated, which I've been all through this and still, and still go through it, you know, on not as much as I did because I came to realize that um, the joy for me is lifting others up. And that's what Dharmic Evolution was, was created for, to, to raise other artists up and give them notoriety. And that's, that is a pure joy for me. But as far as the podcast being a business, um, the frustrations are that, you know, a lot of people get into it thinking, well, I'm going to be Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss. Well, we already have those guys and probably <laughs> not because they had tremendous platforms to start with. Yep. And, and, and God bless them because they worked very, very hard at, you know, Joe, Joe was a, you know, he was a, co a comic. He worked the clubs really hard. Um, he went out there and hustled, like really hustled. I mean, and he got that UFC gig, not by just you know, maybe right time, right place. But, you know, he had the voice. So he combined all of his talents to bring all that to podcasting. And Tim Ferriss, same thing. He right? also had the mind. Yes. He's got, he's got, very, very, yeah. 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 brilliant guys, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you have something special too. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that rhetorically, not just to you, Jason, but anybody listening. Is sure. That, you know, it's your, the, the cool thing about it is, it's your brand to do right. as you will. And it's like your own TV station and radio station. So don't get all hung up on, I need like million dollar sponsors. You can do anything with this. And it's uh, so it's a wonderful thing. So just, you know, as a, as a little side thing for people out there listening, keep the faith. Don't, you know, if you have something really special in your heart, you know, see it through, take a break even. I mean, mm -hmm. I did this once back in um, 2017 because I was in, I was making an album called uh, I Am Victorious, which is a Christian album with a band called Mercy. And I'm the uh, lead singer and the co-writer of that band. And uh, the Lord put it in my heart to take a break from podcasting. You know, you can't focus, you know, lightning laser focus on something, you know, too many things. And right. something like that needed my um, complete attention. So I took a break for maybe a month or, or six weeks, eight weeks maybe. And I just took a break recently because I got COVID for Christmas and for New Year's. Yeah. And yeah. I had all these shows stacked up and yours was the last one. I think I had five done before I left to fly up to New Jersey. And then I got stuck there for an extra two weeks or so because I just, I was too sick to fly. You know, I just couldn't even get on a plane. Um, so it was okay. I cut the show back to uh, twice a month until I build a backlog. And I'm working on so many other things, so I got really backed up. It's okay. And where else can you do this? You know, my point to podcasting is like, you don't have to call up some boss or you're some, you know, at some radio station that they're counting on you. Right. You just say, look, this is what it is. And, you know, I'm looking at my downloads. They actually went up. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped and I said to my fiance, I said, I should just stop broadcasting because they obviously don't want me around, you know? <laughs>
So anyway, I know I got a little off track from the music there, but no, I, no. I felt like, um, you know, for just people who are, who are struggling, don't, don't let it get to you. Um, just keep going, stay the course, man, and, be, and persevere. You'll, you'll be glad that you did. It's, it's great advice. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, kind of following up on your point of you know, knowing how to take a break and focus, which is a, a huge component. I'm learning it now in especially my mid-20s with, you know, got a time management times 10 and right. wearing, you know, wearing multiple hats. And also you have an agency, the, the James O'Connor agency and just, yes. you know, maybe your entrepreneurial pursuits and, and, and talking a little bit about how, how you knew that this was a path for you. Was it a decision? Was it, was it just through the celestial universe, you know, God inspired? All, what do you think? It was all God. It was all the Lord. Cool. And um, cool. I'll, I'll tell you how some of this goes. Um, you know, I was fired from so many jobs. My father was in personnel. And uh, he said the greatest challenge of his life uh, was to get my resume down to less than less than three pages. I think it was. Wow! I had so many jobs, wow. and I was pretty good at everything I did. And um, you know, it's kind of like I would magnetically pick up things very easily. Um, so anyway, I you know going through my my earlier years it occurred to me that I'm really unemployable because I have the, the spirit of an entrepreneur. And it's that simple. And, and once you recognize that, it's okay. And, and not that I, I had jobs that I was very successful at. And I was actually doing plumbing and electric simultaneously when I said, you know what, I've, I've worked for a lot of electrical um, contractors. I have enough time. I'm going to go get my license. So I started gathering a customer base before I even had my license, doing right. like odd jobs that nobody wanted. And so I built up a successful electrical contracting career, had about 12 to 15 men, then through partnerships, grew it really big with affiliates and got into a whole thing. I became a telecommunications contractor and an electrical contractor. So um, that all ended abruptly in 2014. And I, I couldn't have been happier uh, by the way it happened because the Lord had put all these other things in my heart. As a matter of fact, Geography of the Soul mm -hmm. came out the week that that career ended and um, my son graduated, my younger son graduated from college. So it was like, wow, it turns on a dime like that. And all, and yeah. so, um, so anyway, getting back to your question about um, entrepreneurship and so after doing all that, you be, you become, you learn a lot. You make a lot of mistakes. Um, I've had a lot of failures. I've had a lot of successes too. And um, with the agency was put in my heart to write branded songs for authors, speakers, and thought leaders. Um, there's only, we've only done like a few songs, like I'm going to say three that were like that. And so the thing, the, 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 um, the agency is kind of just sitting idle right now um, because I, I got my hands into too many pies at once. And, and you can relate to, the, to this, I think. Yeah. So the agency will continue. Um, the, the last one we did was for um, author and um, um, he's a professor at um, Virginia Tech University. And he's an alumni professor. He's been there 40 years and he has this um, project 
called Actively Caring for People. And so we wrote a song, um, Archbishop Christine Mercy, after the band Mercy I spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. And myself wrote the song with Scott. Like Scott, it was his baby. So we take, we sit him down and we talk about what is this brand? What is, what are you doing with this? So we do a download. Christine and I sit together. We come up, we write this, and then I start demoing it and come up. And then I go back to him and we just do two or three go arounds. And then once we're ready in the studio, we go. Right. Nashville Music Row, top players. Yeah. This song is called Here to Share and Care, and it's on the Gratitude album that uh, I put out. And so what I came up with was when an author like that comes up, has this idea with his brand, whatever it is, because a lot of authors don't just write books. They have other things going on, just like you and I right. have all these, you know, uh, affiliate uh, pro projects and tasks surrounding us. He has this actively caring for people. And what he does is he has a green wristband that he gives out and it says actively caring, AC4P. And they have a website. They're all over the world, by the way. You can Google them. And if you see somebody doing a kindness for somebody, helping a woman with her groceries, whatever it is, crossing the street with an old man, um, you, you go and you take your wristband off and you give it to that person and say, thank you for actively caring for that person. And it's got a unique number on it. And you ask them to go to the website and log in, you know, what they did and, and that wristband. And so they constantly give these out and grow the organization to get people more in tune with to stop being so self-centered, so worried about your Instagram posts and, and what, you know, your new house, your new car, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, we get consumed with getting more and we don't concern ourselves with giving more. So... Um, this was right up my alley. So um, the Lord connected us. We wrote it. And being that he's the author and the brand, even though he's not a songwriter, we gave him 34% of the song. We took 33. You know, you're not going to chop up a penny, obviously. So, um, so that was my idea or the Lord's idea to say, this is a way to do this that would, um, would excite, you know, people like him and get them excited to say, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this. But I'm all about sharing. You know, it's all about sharing the wealth. And so the song is really killer. And, and they're pushing the song out there with all their websites. And he's getting ready to retire now. And he's going to devote full time to this. So it's, it's exciting for me to watch that. Yeah. Um, got a little off track with, with, with that. That's, that's okay. Uh, but um, uh, there was something else we were going to discuss um, that has to do with this. Okay, so, oh, so we were talking about... Um, multitasking. Yeah, multitasking. Yeah. And I think what happens is, uh, you know, my fiance is the one who coined the phrase, because I used a big vision board with all colored pencils, and it's it's silly. If you came in and look, you'd say, this guy's crazy. What, I, what got, I got one. I just made one in the next room a couple of months ago, believe it or not, um, uh, girl I'm dating right now got me kind of tuned into this. So see, these ladies are good, aren't they? I, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's, it's strange, Yeah, but, but they're, it, it's working. It's weird. It is. It, it, it's really like, until you start doing that, you can, you really get so confused with, you know, what is important right now. But the thing, you know, she coined the phrase, we'll put this in the parking lot. 
And it's mm. like, if you have a good idea, you don't have to walk away from that. It's time has not fully come yet. And um, the podcast was taking up a lot of time. Writing, you know, albums takes up a lot of time and recording. So, and I'm also writing, uh, I'm just finishing a book now and I've got two more that I'm working on. Um, they're ebooks. They're not gigantic, you know, like, you know, 5,000 pages. They're, they're sh short, but they're designed to help people. I just finished one uh, that's coming out and it's all about overcoming depression because I've discovered that yep. there are a lot of people who suffered with this, uh, myself included. As a youngster, I suffered a lot with it. And I, I over, you know, I, I put together these strategies that you can read this thing in like 30 minutes and apply um, these disciplines, one for each day of the week, anytime, without any equipment, with nothing but you just getting active and getting out there and doing the things that are in the book. So I think doing things like this are, are an important part of, um, you know, it helps me as a writer, especially, to go into these different experiences um, and to do things that are outside of the box and out of my comfort zone. Um, I serve down at the uh, Nashville Rescue Mission, usually every Sunday morning, serving meals with with guys, and it's the, it's probably the best hour of my week. My week. Wow! And yeah. sometimes we get as many as five hundred guys coming in there. Wow! You want to be brought to your knees with humility. Yeah. People coming in in wheelchairs and walkers without arms, without legs. Um, you know, guys who were just I, guy came in with no shoes one day, like he's in socks. And, um, you know, it's just for me, um, I go out of that place feeling like I'm taking more blessings with me on the way home than I brought in. I mean, that's wow. just the way I feel about it. So, um, so all of these things, um, you know, how they tie into the way I organize my life is I have to pick out things that are good for me, um, that are pragmatic, of course, too. I mean, so when we do these vision boards, um, that kind of thing doesn't go on the vision board. But that's just part of my, you know, it's part of my life, you know, right. when, I, when it can be there. I'm, I'm it's, a, there. it's a default almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm trying to, um, you know, and the reason I, I don't really talk about this too much because um, it's not like you're looking for accolades for this. This is more of like, if you do this, you will feel the same blessings that I feel like it's like, a, it's like a, it's a wonderful to give, you know, whatever you can give. Right. And like um, Dr. Christine Mercy Johnson, Archbishop uh, Christine Mercy Johnson, she really turned my head about the homeless years ago when we were talking about it. And I never I never gave enough thought and enough respect, you know, and probably as a youngster, I, a lot of people I felt like a lot of people, you know, I felt, well, you know, get a job or whatever. You don't know what this person's been through. So. Yeah. She really, really influenced me in such a huge way. And along with that um, dedication to helping out where I can with people who don't have much, um, along came the prison ministry, which I started last October. And the prison ministry is something I go in and I, I go in and I do an hour of uh, my, my songs, my original songs, which are all sort of spiritual sort of um, coming from the heart and hopefully have some kind of message in them. And I tell stories about Jesus and I tell stories about my funny, humble, crazy, scary beginnings in life. Like 
like living in the Shell Station ladies' room for a time. Uh, wow. <laughs> cleaner than the men's room. <laughs> and, and, and living in my car for a sh- short time, both of these things. But uh, the, funny, the funny story I remember about the Shell Station is I, I was working there. I was kind of a workaholic when I was young, and I'm, I'm still that way. So yeah. I was working two Shell Stations as a senior in high school. So I would show up at the one as soon as I got out of school, which is like midday because I was a senior, drive my motorcycle over there. <laughs> I would work until from like 12 till 6. I would go there a quarter to 6, and I'd, I'd go a town away where the father owned the other Shell Station, and I'd work 6 to 10. And I did this like six days a week. Like, and, and I was sort of homeless at my own choice. Um, whole thing with my father, I had a really rough time with him. So right. I ended up sleeping in the Shell Station ladies' room. I, I came out one morning, I, I overslept, you know, I had my sleeping bag in there. And there's the owner, and I put my jeans on and my, my shirt, and I'm like all, you know, my hair standing up like, uh, like you know, uh, I forget the, the cartoon character, uh, it'll come to me. So I walk in and he goes, look at his feet, they're so clean. <laughs> and I don't know why he was so impressed with my clean feet, but... Um, you know, that was that was my safe haven for a while. But I'll tell you, the fir- the funny thing was I was really struggling as a young man. I had th- my first night there. I remember sleeping on this in the sleeping bag on the hard tile floor and saying, I feel so emancipated. I feel just great. You know, nobody's going to be picking on me or, you know, hitting me or whatever. And and there was no stress. So wow. feeling you know, feeling like this is the worst thing in the world. And I guess this is um, God watching over me is, uh, it just led me to other places. It led me to, to a few hardships here and there, but you know, I, I was growing up and I was a, I was a tough case. Um, my father and I would go at it, you know, all the time. And uh, that was my way of figuring out where, where do I belong? And it certainly wasn't the Shell Station. <laughs> <laughs> But the reason I tell that story in front of prisoners is it gives me some street cred. You know, it's like they're looking at, you know, when I first started playing for this one group, there were some hard guys and they, you know, the tats on the neck and, you know, they got tats up all up and down there. And they're sitting there like this, a couple of them. And they were like talking while I was playing. But as I got into the stories, um, and this was my first experience doing this, they like, like I won them over with the music yeah. and the stories, especially to the point where they all came up at the end. There was probably about 30 of them and they just surrounded me and were shaking my hands, thanking me saying this, this was awesome. I really appreciated this, you know? And so, so I guess I'm telling that because um, I have such gratitude for the Lord putting this in my heart to go and do something with your music that I felt was now I'm doing something important. I'm doing something that really like affected somebody. And maybe I made them curious enough to start a relationship with the Lord and get the hell out of this horrible place and don't come back. Right. So so much to live for. Right. Wow. You just knocked out at least four or five bullet points on that. (laughs) That that was, that was great. Well, Uh, you know what? I'll tell you, Jason, the, um, the thing is, if I can expand on this, um, please like, do. You know, who, who influenced me a lot was um, 
And I was telling Archbishop Christine about this. She didn't know this, but I don't know the, remember the number. But Tony Robbins, when he was a young boy, um, he, he grew up with uh, his mother, who was uh, a, a single parent. His father wasn't around, and he was really young. And they had Thanksgiving. They had no food. They, they had no dinner, nothing. And some guy knocked on the door and brought in like a whole Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So he was so impressed by this that he started this food service, and the number is crazy. Now, I thought I saw him put up a blog that says they're trying to hit like 100 million meals. Now, that, I could have inflated, maybe it was 10 million, maybe it was, it was some ridiculous number, but he kept that, he's kept that going for like 25 years, and it grows every single year. Wow. So when I see people doing things, um, like helping out their brothers and sisters who just don't have, they just don't have resources. Um, it, you know, it gives me, I get really excited because that's kind of the path that I'm on is like, you know, I want to do something with my music that makes sense. So if it's not selling millions of records, that's good. That's okay because, you know, I can make a living doing a lot of things that it doesn't necessarily have to be where I take my music and use it for my own self-glory. You know, the glory goes to the Lord. Yeah. So find out what it is that makes you tick and makes you really want to get up in the morning and do something that is um, making a difference in somebody's life. And that's what drives me every day. It's like if I'm doing something that somebody can appreciate and I can give a helping hand while I'm doing it and maybe inspire them, then I'm doing my job. Like all this political um, craziness that's going on around us and you know, nations are rising up against nations, and we are in the end days, unfortunately. But um, we just have to take care of our, our little corner. And if we can do that, like if everybody did that, we'd be, we'd be cool. We'd be fine. And yeah. you know, people tend to um, get really caught up in thinking that the more I have, the more protected I'll be, meaning physical possessions or whatever their thing is, you know. Yeah. Whatever you spend all this time with, that becomes your God. You become worshiping that thing, right? You know, whatever is a materialistic thing, it could be anything. So, I think if we spend more time working on our inner um, life, you know, we're much happier and much more self-sufficient if um, if we do that. And I think that all starts with uh, you know where. Well, for me at least, where I'm at right now, it. Uh, that that self-awareness and prayer giving up a lot of you know that it's it's that battle against the spirit and the flesh for me yeah and you know being being aware of it and and just auditing every thought take taking every thought captive and just realizing where and then and perspectives change too over time because there were a lot of things growing up kind of in the the church scene where you look back and you realize, well, these are fallible people or people with fallacy in them because everybody's, uh, you know, of a damning nature. That's, that's the, that's the place at least you and I are finding common ground in on this as believers. Yeah. You know, some people don't believe that they come to the table saying from a secular humanist standpoint that, you know, man is God. I, I, I don't see it. You know, I, I personally don't see it, 
but it's for it's I guess it's from that place of humility, but paradoxically also owning your identity in him. And that that's a balancing act. That's taken years for me to re- for him to kind of cultivate that in me and you know rise up in certain areas. So it's a it's a it's interesting. And it always changes too. He's now he's always got you going through something. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's that's the thing um, we have to accept is that, you know, nothing's ever going to be like Easy Street. You know, there's going to be challenges. I mean, every every one of us goes through this, and it's I guess it's how you go through it. I mean, you know, I still have my moments where I get frustrated uh, with something, you know, and I, I get, you know, a little crazy and, you know, slam my fist on the table or something. Yep. Um, but you, but you, you got to ride it out and, and go through it. But, um, but to your point about the, you know, when you look around at society right now, um, I've been watching a lot and reading a lot about Noah and watching some of these, uh, films about Noah. And it's like, it, it's like, it's so similar to the way we are today. You know, it's like every, a lot of people have just figured out that, you know, we don't need God. We really don't need God. It's like, we kind of tossed them out of our schools. We got science, we got technology. And there's a lot of people out there. And uh, case in point is, you know, I've always loved George Carlin and uh, (laughs) he's up on stage, you know, one day and he's had a, he's had a marvelous career and, he is talking about the little man in the sky and he loves us. You know, he was, he was being very, um, he was like slamming the Lord, you know? Yeah. It's like, and I'm shaking my head saying, you know, I feel for you, man. I'm going to have to pray for you because you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea. And um, I think we, we should not ever be small minded about what the Lord has created. Just look at the stars and the galaxies. And it's like, this could not have just come from nothing. You know, Big Bang. Yeah. Well, if there was a Big Bang, who who created the Big Bang? You know? Right. Right. <laughs> so obviously I'm I'm very devoted to the Lord and uh, you know, I'm trying to do my part uh as far as bringing people to um to the cross, uh, you know, captivate, capture and bring lead to the cross. Is kind of what he put in my heart, but That's I cool. do it in a way that um, I'm sort of not really looking to go out and perform in places where there's lots of Christians because there there's already too many Christians there. It's like I want to get people interested and curious who are who are sort of on the fence, you know. And this one uh, this one evangelist, I said he said the coolest thing the other day. I'd never heard this one. He goes, "Don't forget the devil owns a fence," because if you're on the fence, it's like. I said, wow, that was an interesting metaphor. I never never heard that before. But it was, interesting. It was really true. You know, interesting. it's like you gotta yeah. make up your mind. Yeah. Are you yeah. are you going to um you know praise the Lord and thank him for the things that you have or, or are you not? So um but uh but not to not to stray too far off of uh off of music or anything else. Oh, but this is great. Yeah, yeah, I mean but, I, but I, I want yeah, I just want people to know that you know, the door is open, just like, you know, it, it, it might be odd for someone to hear me talk about prison ministry, like, you know, what are you doing with those prisoners? You know, those are the, the, the ilk of society. But if you really think about it, 
you and I could could be there like that in yeah. in any flash of anger or rage or situation. Something happened where you reacted in a split second, and all of a sudden somebody's dead and somebody's going to jail for the rest of their life. You know, it, it could happen to any one of us at any time. Things can be taken away from us in a split second without us even realizing it. And I think the fact that there's so many in there who probably don't belong in there or they're, you know, they're incarcerated uh, wrongly. Right. And, and also the ones who have committed crimes, you know, the Lord is forgiving and merciful. So it's like you, you, they need to know that. So that's my mission is to wake them up to the fact that, you know, all is not lost. If you're here, it doesn't mean that all is lost. You know, the door is open to your salvation. So um, that, you know, hope has got to be kept alive. And so that's why I really get um, excited when I, when I go to those places um, and get a chance to, you know, to expose somebody to maybe they've never even had a chance to hear some of these um, stories and these, um, um, you know, these situations where they could say, you know, I'm curious enough that I want to know a little more. And that seed might have just taken root right there and it may take another year or two. Right. But at least the seed was planted. So it's really inspiring. Um, thanks for, thanks for going off on that tangent because, and I was going to bring up the, the prison ministry and, uh, there's also, you're a certified chaplain as of yeah. about a year ago did i read that correctly yeah. yeah it's a little over a year ago and again Congrats. that was um i at first i said this was this was at the behest and suggestion of my dear friend archbishop uh christine mercy johnson and she first you know kind of suggested it to me and i said nah i i that's nothing i should be doing that's really <laughs> And she kind of pressed it, and it took a couple of more meetings. Like, you know, you, you know, we talk either about we got a music thing that we're working on or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm the type that I don't really, it'll take me a while, I'll think about it. And so the more I thought about it, and she made a lot of sense with traveling, you know, on airplanes and going into to the prisons. She said, that'll give you, like, more credibility as far as getting it. Because, you know, it's a whole yeah. thing. Into yeah, kind of a credential it. tick. Oh man, they you know they really make sure they, they, they vet the they vet the hell out of you. Yeah, I they bet. wanted to go through every one of my like cases and you know my my stuff when I brought in a small PA and right box with all my and one of the um, one of the uh, I forget what they call it. They don't call him a warden now. They call him a, a human military title. I think it is a colonel or whatever. He came out and said, "All right, let him through." <laughs> like. <laughs> Because he had vetted me out through her, right? And, you know, they knew her and whatever. So she, so, so she kind of does this type of ministry as well. Then, well, she's she's in. She has like I think it's like seven hundred churches under her worldwide. She's the archbishop of um, you know this entire world organization, the word uh, and angelical organization. I think. Wow. And, and is she, she in Tennessee? No, no, she's in uh, right now Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, she's got a really, really heavy, heavy. That's a heavy network. Yeah. That's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, our dear friend Eugene Foley is the one who connected me up to these first two prisons because he had a relationship with these guys. So he kind of got me in there. But but back to the um, interesting. 
Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Very cool. He's got reach everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm learning that every week. Yeah. I'm definitely learning that every week. Yeah. Foley Entertainment, folks. He's a good man. Yeah. So, um, so back, to, uh, back to why I did the chaplaincy was uh, for those reasons that, that uh, Archbishop Christine um, outlined. And I finally came around to saying, yeah, I think. And then now what I do is when I have the opportunity, I go on when I'm flying even though I got to get my CPR back up because I haven't done it in a long time, but I'll go to the flight attendant and just quietly say, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm sitting in 34C and uh, and I'm a, a Christian chaplain. If you need any help with anything, I'm I'm just over there." And they was, "Thank you, thank you very much." And do I have any plan? No, but I know um, I know in my heart that if somebody needed help in any way the Lord, the Holy Spirit w would assist me. Okay, so I don't really have to know too much. I would, right. just, I would just get up and go over if somebody's sick or whatever. That's and, part of the faith, uh, you know, mindset. It, it, it's, a yeah. it's a practitioner mindset of, okay, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to take the step out. Yeah, and I've done, I've done tiny little healings and uh, with my grandson and so forth and it's all yeah. it's all about prayer and not about me it's just like you just said it's really having faith and yeah. having faith in the lord and and things will be done i mean prayer is immensely powerful and, and once once uh, and this is my whole if i may add to this real quick this is my yeah, whole mantra with anybody is that you know once someone has that experience you can't, nobody can take experience away from somebody. You know, if they're healed immediately from something, even though it can't be explained or it's inexplicable or whatever, that, that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives, whether they want, whether they want it to be or not, you know, because sometimes yeah. it, it, it questions an entire mind and, and heart structure that's been created for years. And then they're sitting there scratching their head. Well, you know, how is this possible? But then yeah. they know. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the, the power of prayer is very, very misunderstood and underrated. Yes. Um, I mean, I've experienced it like in many, many situations. I, I'm fortunate enough to have, um, uh, several very, very powerful prayer warriors, uh, for lack of a better word, and, and mostly women around me who are very, very spiritually attuned and um, tied into the Lord. Those intercessors, man. Yeah, it's, it, and it's like, you know, when you get together and pray, it's just, you know, the Lord says straight, right in the Bible, if two or more come, you know, together, um, there's no way I can't grant any requests as long as it is sincere and done in the right way and come from the heart. Right. So, you know, why would we not take advantage of this? So, you know, I'm still, I, I got to tell you, Jason, I'm a little puppy dog when it comes to this. I, you know, I'm still, I'm way at the beginning of my uh, Christian walk. Um, I've, I've like, if you ever saw me four years ago, I'd be unrecognizable to you today, but I have a wow. long way to go. And uh, wow. so God is, has blessed me by um, surrounding me with these very powerful people in my life. And, and my fiance is actually one of them. She, she doesn't even know it, but, um, but she says things to me sometimes, and it's from the Holy Spirit. And I know it because I, I pick up on it and say yeah. to myself, she, didn't, she doesn't even know what she just gave me there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
it's like once you start to become more spiritually attuned, you, you grow more and more into that and you start to recognize things around you. And it's just, it's more all, all about, I just wasn't paying attention. I really didn't have, you know, that spiritual um, tuning. You know, I wasn't tuned into things around me, but there's, there's things all around us that lead us to the Lord has given you a nudge here. You know, you got to just look for it. Well, you know, it's like the scientific community. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah. You, you, you really don't know what you don't know. So, right. you know, I, yeah. and, and I mean, science to me personally, and I'm, I'm definitely not a scientist, uh, but from what I've dabbled in and I, I read, you know, I like to read Yeah. And from what I can see, I, I just see time and time and time and time and time again. And from ancient texts to, to current, um, materials and and research that intelligent design every time intelligent design intelligent design i just i i just can't see how you know however it happened however we got here there's there's got to be it's how could it how could it be without i mean creative period is is uh in essence existence yeah you know and and especially like producing music or creative thought with anything and uh we're a model of that in the image of that so that's probably why it it feels so godlike to create yeah well, it's, it's, you know, it's more the pride of man. We get, you know, we get carried away with ourselves and think, yeah. you know, I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 my. Yeah. <laughs> quote Robin Williams in the hook, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. It wasn't Robin Williams. It was, uh, it was, the, it was Captain Hook that said that in the, in the film. But, but we do, we, we don't know what we're doing. I think we're not conscious of, but we do get carried away with our, whatever we were blessed with, but we don't, um, we don't you know, give thanks for what we were blessed with. We take it on ourselves that we did all this. And I think that's the big, uh, the big mistake that we make. Um, I was watching, um, I guess it was a Paul Simon interview from way, way back and, um, you know, I had this epiphany, like before I saw this, or I guess right around the time I saw the interview, and it was Bridge Over Troubled Water had just come out, and he was being interviewed by some guy, and the guy said to him, where did that song come from? And Paul said, I, I just don't know. And then after about a week after that sunk in, I'm humming the song, and then I'm like, oh my goodness. And, and the epiphany hit me that Bridge Over Troubled Water I will lay me down. I mean, that's Jesus Christ. Like, you know, yeah. the Lord gave him that whole song. And, uh, you know, he just didn't, he wasn't aware or whatever. I mean, just like that is, you know, because it's one of the greatest songs ever. Oh, yeah. Lyrically, it's like, it's a masterpiece, you know, it's just incredible. But, but I think we get, that's our human condition. We get caught up in us. And all the great leaders, Alexander the Great and Mussolini and all of them, 
got all caught up in this. And um, there's nothing wrong that I can do. I can do all things because I am mighty and powerful. So, right. you know, in our own daily lives, you know, a dose of humility goes a long way. And, you know, once you do lower your head and, and uh, get into uh, having a relationship with the world, with the Lord, the, the world opens up for you in it's such a um, magnificent way. So, and, and with, with times getting very, very close, um, people need to, need to really wake up and decide, you know, am I ever going to do this or am I just going to do my one hour on the Sunday when churches come back and then I did my duty? That's not what a relationship with the Lord is about. That's yeah. not even close. So, yeah. Uh, I'm encouraging you folks who are listening. <laughs> you won't be sorry. Chaplain O'Connor's coming after you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you see it? It's gold. <laughs> as we as we start to uh, kind of tie this up and wrap up a little bit, uh, I just want to go over your materials real quick. Seven Steps to Freedom is the book. Yeah, and that'll be out in probably about two more weeks. We're we're just tweaking it out, and it'll be on. Um, It'll be posted on the Dharmic Evolution website, DharmicEvolution dot com. So it'll be easy to find, and I'm going to be doing a whole marketing campaign on that. But yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm I'm definitely going to get a copy. Very excited to read about that. I uh, and and I'm not going to go down a bunny trail with this, but uh, I can relate because okay, for great. years. Uh, certain life circumstances happening around 17 to about 20, eh, 21, 22. Yeah, totally get it. And I think there's a lot of people that are, unfortunately, whether they realize it or not, dealing with that reality. Yes. And it's not until you're out of it when you look back and I'm going through some major purging and healing pro it, the Lord's doing some crazy things right now. A lot of grace. It's, it's really quite amazing. And I'm looking back and, and just seeing how uh, it, it was allowed for yeah. all things to work together for the good. And people need, especially when you're in the middle of it, because it it's just such a, a warped reality when you get there. And I know, cause I've been there and uh, I, I, you could probably attest to this as well. I, I, you, you just have to, you got to hold on to faith in those times. You got to hold on to, you know, the word and stand on it, throw it right at the enemy's face when that stuff comes up, because that's all you've got. You know, the flesh can't, it, it can't combat that realm it's it, your mind can't combat that it's you got to be throwing spiritual principles into it you can't fight that battle alone it's difficult it's difficult i mean my my younger days uh i would go into periods where i would suffer for a month yeah you know that's a long time yeah and be just like completely almost like i'm just on autopilot because yeah I can barely through a day you know and now, um, because I've grown and I've learned tools and everything, maybe I have a tough day, maybe it lasts an hour, maybe a couple hours, and maybe I just dismiss it and say, all right, tomorrow will be, and the next day I'm 
I'm, I'm good. So and there are yeah. a lot of people out there depressed. I mean, I've talked to people who've been on the show, people I reach out to after the show and who struggle and are having really, really tough times. And now more so than ever because of the situation we find ourselves. Oh, in. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hear you, brother. And uh, I'll be praying for you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, very, very interested to learn more about it. And Dharmic Evolution Podcast as well. Over 300 episodes. Congratulations. It's a big accomplishment. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll yeah. have all the description links to this below in the description box. Uh, how can folks contact you about the show? Maybe they want... Um, Maybe they want to, is it more of a, is there, is there soliciting element to it or is it you really kind of find the talent that you want to showcase? No, if, if there's people out there who are, you know, I look for people who are serious like yourself, who are really, you know, established artists. And when I say established, I don't, I don't need you to sell a million records. I don't care, you know, if you've sold, you know, hardly any records, but that you, you pay attention to your career. Right. And, you know, you've put in the work, but you can reach out to me at james at dharmicevolution.com and just, uh, you know, mention, you know, you were uh, found this on the Jason D'Amico show and that you have somebody that you would like to come on. But because it's, you know, it's a show about um, featuring your music and your story and uh, be delighted to, to have you on. So feel free to reach out. Sounds great. Yeah, right uh, now I'll tell you the show we we uh, because I told you I, I was I was sick. We cut back to, to two show two shows uh, a month, but I, it's only going to take a month or so. As a matter of fact, I've already got a big backlog, um, but I want to. I'm focusing on a lot of other things, so I think the break for a month or two will be good to keep it every other week, and then we'll go back up to weekly again. Well, the good news is that I have 15 things going on over here. Your episode probably won't be out until end of February anyway. So <laughs> hopefully right. it'll, it'll, you know, yeah. work out if you get a little bit of a influx of folks. That's um, great. Thank you. Real quick, uh, just gear talk for a little bit and, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into future plans. Then I've got one last thing I do at the end. Okay. Uh, studio analog digital any thoughts as far as any, any particular pieces of gear that you're really into these days or that have stuck with you throughout the career sure um one what i do is uh my 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 whole writing style has changed in that um uh well i won't go into that i'll go into the gear which is um which ties to this is i just picked up the symphony built by apogee oh yeah and i waited a year for this because it was all ready to ship pandemic hit the, the finishing parts were in China. So I finally got it. And it's a small little thing, but it has the Bob Clear Mountain um, goodies inside of it, the preamps and everything. Wow. It's it's really magnificent. And it, it's right up my alley because... Is that a console? It's a, it's a small little console that has two XLRs in the back, a um, couple of uh, quarter inch in the front for headphone and, and, cool. a, and a mic, if you wish. Cool. And it can even incorporate with my other ensemble with the um, uh, the fiber optic cables. So uh, that one's a four input. This one's a two input. 
And I usually, what, the way I do it is I go in, I usually work with a producer in the studio and usually on a Trident board because I love the combination, the marriage, if you will, of analog and digital together. Yep. And using the analog or the digital, everybody has to use, you know, Pro Tools is usually the choice uh, most engineers make. Um, but, you know, I work on a Trident board in the studio. And then what I do is when the, when the songs are put together, um, and, and finish, I take the stems home with me. They send me the stems and I put it up on logic. And then I add my little pieces, background harmonies. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to really focus on the vocal and get, you know, use my Neve and get the vocal sound just right. And I'll do that. Maybe some keyboards overdubs, some strings or whatever, or maybe it doesn't need much at all. Um, guitar solo, whatever. And I use this kind of equipment to achieve that and just give them good files back. So I'll send three or four or five or six files back, say, okay, go mix. I don't even want to be there for the, for the first mix. Sometimes I'll come in for like the final final um, because I'll just, you know, the people I'm working with are so good. I'll just type in here, tweak this a little bit. Maybe just raise the volume on this. I, it I all really sounds great. Any, that's the one thing about your music is and me being a studio guy and gearhead and you know the whole self-producing and all that uh, sounds great I, I think it's i think it's great thank you yeah and we used um you know again a trident board and 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 then my mastering is done um you know off-site and that's done analog so again very cool like you know um Brian, oh, his name's not, I'm still, I'm still having memory things from the COVID. Like it's, it's almost back, but I'm having trouble re recalling certain things, but he, he does everything, uh, using analog. Like he's done. Yes. And 38 special, he, he, his, his catalog of the wow. people he's worked with is heart. I mean, he was with them for years. Like Nashville he's, guy. Yeah. He's right in Nashville. He's amazing. Brian Foraker. Okay. And I interviewed him and, and you just sit there and you just like, you can't believe the stories this guy has about the people he's worked with. It's wow. It's um, so anyway, back to like that song beat the pinata. When I did the guitar solo on that, um, I did that in my studio and just sent that back. And then I told the engineer where to cut it at the end of the solo and turn the freestyle guitar playing back to James who right. finished out the song, you know, so you can hear the tone difference in there. But, um, but I like working that way because it gives me time to really focus on that. But I use that symphony. I love it. And by the way, the Zoom uh, H6 is phenomenal for podcasters. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really use the, um, when I'm doing like your show or any artist, um, I don't use the Zoom audio because it's inferior to the Zoom. And when I say, you know, the Zoom, I'm talking about the Zoom film that we're on right now. Yep. There's two Zooms in the room. <laughs> so there's the Zoom that we're on this platform, but there's also this handy dandy little, I don't even know if I can raise it up. Yeah, I guess I can. And this I'm using right now. And this inputs, um, and you can take this with batteries. You can take this anywhere you want. It's a phenomenal little tool and it does wave files. And the audio is stellar. The audio is so good um, that it doesn't even compare to. Um, and I got really frustrated with um, the people on the Zoom TV platform 
for lack of a better word. And I called them up and said, dudes, you got to figure this out. And we went back and forth for a week. They brought all their extra engineers in to try to solve it. And I don't know if it's a bandwidth thing that they're, they're kind of, they're chintzing on just like Spotify delivers us at very low bandwidth um, mm -hmm. so they can do more. Mm -hmm. um, but this thing is, I wouldn't put somebody's music and their, you know, and their show on my show without having this because I feel like, you know, it's like when I asked you for your music, I wanted all wave files. And I, I ask every artist, give me wave files because right. by the time we mix this down, um, I do the highest MP3 that I can, which is 192 kilobits, mm -hmm. um, which Logic will deliver nicely. And you can barely tell, like it really, really does a good job on, on capturing, you know, the fidelity. And I want that sonic value to every artist that I can, can present with them. So, you know, on, on talk shows, it doesn't, it doesn't matter so much. Um, people won't really, you know, um, won't know that about the music, but you can hear it side by sides on microphones because I, I saved both files. I saved the Zoom H6 and I saved this one in, in like if it was your folder, the original be in here and I can go in and listen to it and go, you know, if it's a backup, because uh, I had to use once because we, we had a problem, but um, it's just not the same. So those are the things that I really like. Um, I'm using the baby bottle that I've had for years for, as my microphone right now. That's the broadcasting mic. I have uh, the Lawson L4 um, and then I have uh, a Neve, uh, which I really, really like. And uh, then I got some some you know, older gear compressors and things that are in a rack here. And that's it. I keep it real. I'm, I'm, I keep things simple, man. I don't go yeah. for like layering things to make it too complex. Uh, I still have my DX7 right here, which was the biggest hit in 1987. It still has the best warm string sound you've ever heard in your life right out of this thing. But obviously I tie it to Logic and I can access thousands of keyboard sounds, right. you know, in Logic through the MIDI cable. So... So that's it. It's real. It's real sparse and you know trim. Gets it know, done. Thrills. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Zoom. I've got an H5 over here, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah, they're the best. They really are. And yeah, and for anybody who's investigating, it's it's not a bad investment. It's not too. Pro I think it's like, I think it's like four hundred dollars or something like that. This it's one not, I think is like two. Yeah, 200. it's not. It's not, not a lot bad. of money. And if you're really investing in your podcast, you want to be able to um, to do what you need to do. And, and the cool thing, by the way, is you can put this thing in its little plastic case and put it in your suitcase. Yeah. Maybe bring a couple, you know, like I can take this microphone with me and I can, I got a little desk stand that I pack away and I can do shows from really anywhere. Remote. Just plug it into the laptop and I'm, I'm off to the races, you know. So really, really equipment has come a long way and it's just a, a delight to have things work when they work. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, future plans. I mean, sky's the limit. It sounds like for you. Yeah, it's, um, I'll tell you what I'm working on is, uh, I mentioned to you about, um, the book that's coming out. I have two, I have two more behind that. Um, I have a couple of albums. I, I have two or three albums that I could be working on. Um, and I'm letting the Lord guide me because I got into a string of like new songs. And so I'm just collecting them, waiting for him to say, you know, it's going to go this way. It's going to go that way. So I don't really I don't really worry too much about I don't over plan. I just keep, you know, my 
my structure every day is to get up in the first uh, 30 minutes to 40 minutes is all about prayer, yep. reading scripture. Um, then I go into music and sometimes they integrate and correlate together. And then I do some rehearsing. Um, so that's my first couple of hours, two, two and a half hours every day. And then I dig into the vision board and the rest of the day. And then I work out, you know, pretty much every day. I'm not running every day now, um, cause it's been too cold, but I'm, I'm walking and today I'll hit 50. So right after this, I'm going for a run Oh, cool! and uh, I do sit-ups and push-ups cause I'm, I'm working my way back from, right. COVID. I really lost a lot of my, you know, upper body you know, I, I try to keep myself really fit. And so uh, now that I can't do hot yoga, my fiance is a runner. So I've been running for a year and got from like a half a mile up to like seven, eight. I can do on the high end, six wow. to eight. Like that. On the low end, usually two to three, maybe four, depending on the day and time permitted. Um, so that's my whole life. And that, and I look, look forward to the mission, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of my life and just trying to be a better version uh, of myself, keeping everything that I'm doing like with enough attention to keep it breathing and not get overwhelmed about you have to do everything today or this week or this month. You don't right. just keep, right. it, keep it in the parking lot, you know. So to that end, uh, I'm very blessed and very happy to be, you know, doing what I'm doing. I just look forward to like the next chapter. You know, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I've got uh, one last thing here. It's called the shootout, and it's just one. I'll fire a word to you, and it'll whatever you say back, keep it like around a word or a couple of words. It's like popcorn thing back and forth, and it's always industry related to the guest. So, uh, first one's music saved my life. Man, it's, you're already winning, already winning on that one. That's, that's, I felt chills. Uh, seriously, that's crazy. Uh, and it's true. Podcast. Uh, a journey. Yeah. Song. Lifeblood. Guitar. Almost best friend. That's good. Uh, vocal. Crying. Wow. Recording. Love. Yep. Live. Blessed. Faith. Lucky. Depression over it joy more to come and the last one which is the most important pizza not hut <laughs> i gotta say, say i've done you know over a hundred out of this is probably episode 100 and something one of the best one of the <laughs> best that's that's like it's cinematic it's great. That was fun, man. That was fun. That's great. <laughs> so intense. Even the last one, because the last one, usually people will kind of crack up a little bit because they're not expecting it. Just not hot. 
That's great. <laughs> I should have oh. said Sky King because it's right here in Kingston Springs. They're legendary for their pizza because I'm from the East, man, the Northeast. Well, yeah. Are you from Jersey? Yeah. Pizza okay. in New Jersey, I'm telling you, pizza in New York, New Jersey, you just, there's no place in the country. It's the best. You know yeah. how to do it like there. Yeah, you know? it's the best. I yeah. mean, there's a couple of great places in the Carolinas because they, they came down from, you know, the Northeast, but... But even the, I don't know. There's something about the water there too. They talk about that, yeah. the aqueduct, and how yeah. it, that that uh, New York State mountain range. Do you it, know New York City is one of the best tasting water that you've ever tasted? Oh yeah, like yeah. A lot of people don't know that they go New York City. I say yeah because it's yeah. fed from the Adirondack Mountains. And yeah, the- it's where I lived for a couple of years or a few years uh, from whatever you know. This kind of during my college years and working in the industry and acting up there agencies in new york city so uh yeah some of the best so people if you ever go to new york city when it comes back to normal hopefully hopefully uh, yeah please go uh in there to a restaurant and order a glass of water i'd (laughs) be shocked you know it's like it's the best. It really is. Yeah. Water's a big thing for me. Like where do, where do you live? The water's got to taste good. Yeah. 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 Florida is not winning. Not to bash yeah. Florida, but man, yeah, definitely, definitely got to stick to the bottled water down there. Yeah. Uh, one last question for you, which I ask everybody at the end, which is if you could go back to your 15 year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell them? Um, stay here and keep all that your experiences together but don't let them overwhelm you Mm. it's great it's great that that just about does it Uh, any this has been great by the way thank you so much for taking the time to be on do you have any last words beyond those and what Um, just that everybody uh really takes really seriously our our conversation about spirituality and whatever way that you can figure out to, to connect with uh, the Lord, he's, he's waiting. And, you know, it's not very terribly unlike a, a relationship with a human being. You got to stretch out, reach your hand out, and you got to, you know, want to have it. So once you begin, I think you'd be very, very happy that you, um, you persevered and did uh, stay the course. And uh, that aside, uh, blessed to be here, Jason. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out on you know to have me on the show and to discuss all these things. Uh, it was really really fun, and uh, I really enjoyed the conversation tremendously. Thank you so much, my brother. God bless you, and you owe me your favorite song out of your collection, so I can put on our Spotify playlists that we've created custom uh, out of the Dharmic Evolution. So please send that to me, my friend. Stay, stay tuned because we've got some new stuff coming out and I have, I, I think I have the perfect song for that playlist. Excellent. Whenever yeah, you're ready. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, and again, ditto, like so honored to have you here. Uh, you guys have been watching and listening to the Jason D'Amico show. Thank you guys so much. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, all the great platforms out there. And uh, definitely check out James's platforms in wherever the description box is, either below or to the side, depending on the platform. And just grateful to continue this show. 
and keep it rolling. Thank you guys so much for the support. We will see you all in the next one. Peace.